Good morning. I just thought of this as we were singing, and it said, when darkness seems to veil his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. Um, and that's just our year and what God has done. And it just shows that in our weakness, he is strong. And I praise God for that. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, this is your testimony. And I just want to stand here and praise you because you are good. And so I pray, pray for strength and I pray for your power and your grace to just fill me, Lord, so that I can share how good you are and how good you've been. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's so fitting to come and preach this testimony. Um, this is the first time I'm preaching this in its entirety. And it's so fitting to be here because June of last year, my husband and I drove here so broken. And Zach and Leah were here and prayed over us. So it's fitting to be here and share. Now we have a son and his name is Mateo. And God blessed us with him. And we were just so full of joy when he was born. We named him Mateo because it means gift from God. And we felt blessed to have a son. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that having a son, I also wanted a daughter. I have a sister. I have girl cousins. All I know is girls. And so I remember when we were pregnant with Mateo, I went and picked out pink clothes because I thought... Perhaps it's a girl. But when we found out it was a boy and we, we had him, what a joy. But my heart of hearts, there was still this aching for a little girl. And so we begin to pray and ask God, God, if you so see us having a second child, bless us. And I'm in the ministry. I was a teacher for 10 years. I retired and became a Bible worker. I was a Bible worker for about 10 years. I just retired a pay Bible worker now, I just volunteer, and I'm a chaplain at um, Adventist Health in the labor and delivery and postpartum. And so we're pretty busy. My husband's a nurse, and we just thought, God, is this too much to add a second child to our, to our, our uh, lives? And so I said, if it's your will, bless us. And if it's, your not, if it's not your will, make that clear to us. And so we began to pray, and shortly after that, I got pregnant. We're so excited. And so we went to our first appointment, and they did the scan, and they didn't find a heartbeat. And they told us that we had had a miscarriage. And so I was broken. I was so broken. But soon after that is when I was hired on to be um, a chaplain for in the hospital, and I work mainly with moms who have had miscarriages. And so that's been a blessing. Well, I continued in my heart this yearning for another child, and I continued praying but I knew that there could be difficulties, a miscarriage, problems. My husband tells me that it's a miracle for a child to start from the beginning to be born. He said it's a complete miracle. So we're praying and asking God, okay, God, if this is your will, and you know this, what's going to happen in, in utero. And so we surrender uh, this to you. I surrender my womb. And you have the power to close or open. And so if something's going to happen, I give you full control close my womb. If not, bless us. A year later to the miscarriage news, I found out we were pregnant again. And so we were so excited. I remember we went to our first scan and I just said, praise the Lord. 
And the doctor told us, would you like to take a test um, and just to find out that everything is okay? Well, I found out that the test would tell us the gender of the baby. And remember, I was so excited to possibly be having a girl. So I said, yes, let's take the test. I could find out in 10 weeks if it's a boy or a girl. And so we took the test. And I remember looking at the pamphlet and what this test was covering. And there were three different um, things they were looking at. A trisomy, trisomy uh, 13, 18, and 21, which I didn't really pay attention to. I just kind of like flipped through it. And I remember reading that trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome, would be the out of all three, the best, the best out of the three, but really not paying attention to it. We went to on vacation. We were so excited as a family. We went to vac- on our vacation. And I remember just thinking they should call me with news pretty soon to make sure everything's okay and tell me the gender of the baby. And so we were by the pool and I received that call from the nurse and it was just, hello, this is, you know, the doctor, this is our nurse. Um, your test results came back positive for trisomy 21. And I remember just, what? Just freezing. I just, I just froze. And, and I felt like everything around me just went silent in a second. And, and I was remembering the pamphlet. What did it say? What is trisomy 21? What is trisomy 21 Down syndrome? I knew little about Down syndrome, but I knew enough to know that it wasn't good and that my child was going to suffer in life. And so after kind of composing myself for what she said, I said, Um, and what's the gender of the baby? And she was silent. And I said, the gender, what's her gender? And she said, are you sure you want to know? And I remember thinking, why would you say that? It hit me because she didn't want me to attach. You know, 91% of moms who find out they're there are pregnant with a child with Down syndrome or any of the trisomies abort their child. So nine out of 10 pregnancies do not go to full term because of this fear. And so I just remember sinking in my mind. But you know, when, when they said daughter, it was, like, it was like I had this instant connection to her. And I, I believe that was so God. And so I remember just walking back to my hotel room and crying and saying, no, 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 there must be a mistake. There must be a mistake. And entering my room and just this darkness, this dark, dark, just like this book, the, the, when darkness seems to veil his face, I felt like God had completely disappeared. And up until that moment, I felt like I had been close to God. I knew God. I mean, I gave Bible studies to people. I have seen so many people come and give their hearts to God. And I would tell them, you can trust God. He's for you. God loves you. I loved God. I trusted God. I mean, God was everything to me. And so at that moment, I just felt like, what are you doing? We talked about this. I told you if there was going to be any complications, close my womb. Why? Why would you do this? And it's like I could no longer see his face. I reached out to some friends from Bible college and I said, pray. And they sent me this quote right away. As soon as I sent her, I said, pray for me. I said, I'm not in a good place. Pray. And she sent me this quote. I'm sorry, I don't know where the clicker is. You could put it on 
right after this. She sends me this quote, and it was just what I needed to read. It says, in the great controversy, it says, I saw some with strong faith and agonizing cries, pleading with God. Evil angels crowded around them, pressing their darkness upon them to shut out Jesus from their view, that their eyes might be drawn to the darkness that surrounded them. And they distrust God and next murmur against him. Their only safety was in keeping their eyes directed upward. Angels were having, angels were having the charge over these people of God. And as the poisonous atmosphere from these evil angels was pressed around these anxious ones, the angels which had the charge over them were continually wafting their wings over them to scatter the thick darkness that surrounded them. At that moment, I begin to say, God, waft those wings. Waft. And you know, I, as I prayed that and I would reach out, I mean, I, I text everyone I knew that prayed and I would just say, pray and specifically pray that those angels every time would just waft those wings. And I felt peace until somebody would come with well intentions and they would say, you know, we heard your situation. We want, to, we want to give you this book on Down syndrome so you can read it, you know. Or somebody would come and say, you know, possibly there is a sin in your life that you haven't confessed to God. And if you could just confess it, it would change. Or God has prepared this child with this disability specifically for you. You're such a good person that God wants this child to be raised in your home. And at that moment, I couldn't, I couldn't even see that. And again, darkness would just press. But I'd reach out, and I'd reach out to people, and I'd have these conversations with God, and I would say, God, who are you? And then I would hear his voice. Never will I leave you. I would say, God, why did you do this? I remember the first Bible study I gave that talked about the great controversy, and it would say that God made everything perfectly good, and an enemy had done this. And so those words were just, I mean, these conversations I would just have back and forth. And I can tell you that I was so angry with God. I remember saying, that I didn't want to, I was going to quit my job. I said, I could no longer give Bible studies for you. I could no longer tell people they can trust you because every promise in the Bible that you have ever said is not true. Luke 7 says that if your, your child asks you for a piece of bread, you're not going to give him, I believe it's a snake or a stone, bread and stone. And I remember thinking, I asked you for healthy and look what you gave me. And yet he kept speaking words, I love you, I'm with you, trust me. I would hear it over again. You know, I recently heard a sermon by Carlton Bird, and he talked about when he lost his daughter, and he said that he was in such a dark place, but he said, I had too much word in me to stay long in that dark place. And I felt, that's me. I have too much word stored in my mind to let the enemy stay there long. And so I felt this battle that was continually going on, this darkness. And then I would, 
I would reach out to people and say, pray. And when people prayed for me, I sensed the peace. People were sending me texts nonstop. It was like God himself was using all of these people to, 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 to direct my face towards him. And so I decided I was going to share this with my church. And I, I, I told them, I said, you know, I was supposed to preach. And so I said, I want to share what's going on. The day before I was up to preach, I received a call. And I was at church kind of practicing, you know, the sermon going over it. And I received a call from genetic counselor. And he tells me, well, I just want you to know um, we're going to be taking over from here on out at Children's Hospital. And so you tested positive for Down syndrome. Let me go over all the things that um, possibly may happen and may be wrong with your baby. And it was about a hundred different things. I remember, you know, she could have webbed fingers and webbed feet. She could have leukemia. The majority of these kids die young from cancer, he told us. She will have a short lifespan. She should have holes in her heart. A G-tube will probably be put in her body, or she will have some kind of reconstruction of her intestinal. Major, major surgeries her whole life. Um, learning disabilities, low tone, hearing problems, thyroid problems, vision problems. I mean, he went on and on and on, and I just remember collapsing. But again, I sent a text, pray. He told me, you have a scan, we're going to check thoroughly, we'll find out what's wrong, we'll find out... um, what surgeries your baby will need when she come, when she's born, or if she's going to need surgeries right now, we'll find that out as soon as you come to your scan. I told my husband, call Zach. Tell him to pray. So we drove here, and all I wanted was a healthy baby. I remember our prayer was healthy, healthy, healthy baby. And I remember Leah was praying, and she was talking to me about God's will, that we could trust him. And so we left here just confident that God had heard, confident that, that whatever happened, it was going to be okay. And so we went to the scan, we went to children's. And as they were scanning us, I remember they were just looking, looking throughout the whole body. And she was four months. I think her heart was maybe about that small at that time. And um, they were looking and looking, and the, the doctor came in, and she says, we don't see anything wrong with her heart. We don't see anything wrong with any organ in her body. We know that there is, praise God, we know that there's something wrong because the test is, test is positive, but we don't see anything wrong with your child intestinally, nothing wrong with her organs. She said, but I don't want you to get excited and think that she doesn't perhaps have this, we would like for you to take an amnio. And I remember thinking, God, you've heard, you've heard. My husband said, no, no amnio. And I said, love, I need to know. I just need to know. And so we prayed through the whole test, and they took the amnio, and we, we drove home. And I remember just saying, God, it's in your hands. It's in your hands. And so we came home, and I remember just thinking, I don't want to stay home because all I do is cry here. I just cry and I'm sad. I need to go somewhere where it's positive. I need people to pray for me. Well, camp meeting was just around the corner. And so we decided we were going to go to the prayer walk that they have there. And so as we were packing to go um, that day, I get a call. 
You know, and I don't think any of this is by chance. I don't think it's by chance that the day before I'm going to get up to preach, the genetic counselor calls. I don't think it's by chance that the day I'm headed over to a camp meeting for prayer, they, they call me up with the results. I don't think that's by chance. I think the devil knows how to get us and when to get us the, and, 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 and hurt us. I believe he knows that. But I believe that God puts into place everything ahead of time to know what we need. And so as, as they talk, call on this, tell me on the phone, they say, um, the, the results came in, and yes, 99.9%, your child does have Down syndrome. And I remember again, just this darkness filled my heart because I was so sure God had healed her fully, perfectly. And so I sunk into this darkness again, but again, I got on my phone and I started texting people. And I will tell you something. If you are ever struggling, if you are ever going through a time where the devil is just pounding you, reach out for prayer. If you can't pray, reach out for prayer because there is power in prayer. I mean, I would almost feel like as soon as I reached out and people started texting, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, this peace, this peace. And then I would go, uh, we decided I couldn't sleep at night because I was crying all the time. And so I would, I told my husband, find any video on YouTube of Pavel Goya, just put it on because that will put me to sleep. And so sure enough, I, I began to watch these, these videos and I had this peace. We go to camp meeting and as at my camp meeting, the majority of the time I'm staying in my trailer, I'm crying. And one day my son says, I want to go to, I want to, go to class. And so, you know, no one knew at camp meeting how broken we were. No one knew. So I take him to class and I meet Nelson's wife, Ina. And she just comes up and she says, how are you? She sees that I'm pregnant and and I just, I just shared with her. I felt safe, and I shared with her. And she begins to tell me, Naomi, she says, I'm struggling too. She goes, and I can tell you that I just read this book by Melanie Mason called Daring to Ask for More, right? She says, you need to read that book. It is such a good book. And so I said, okay, well, I'll pick that book up. I'll pick it up. So I walk to my trailer, and, and, and as I'm getting there, I, I again sense this sadness. I go in my trailer, and I'm just going to put my head down to just sleep and cry. And I get a little knock on my trailer door, and she comes, and she says, Naomi, Naomi, I was coming from, from class, and something told me to just go buy the book for you. So I bought the book for you. You need to read this. And she wrote a little note in it. And I thought, okay. And I thought, God, this is you. I know you're telling me to read this book. And so I actually came home. And, and I left camp meeting such, with such peace. And the reason why is everywhere God was placing things for us, Joyce Mulligan would see me, and every time she would see me, she said, let's pray now. Let's pray now for you. Okay. And, and then I remember during the anointing service, she texted me, and she said, are you coming, you know, the last weekend? And I said, well, I think I've, I've over, you know, I think it was in the morning that, that last year or a couple of years ago. And she said, I think I've overslept. No, 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 you come now. Lisa and Ed Walker meet us to pray over us. And they asked me, Naomi, what is it that you need prayer for? Because see, we had been anointed here with Zach and Leah, and that was the first anointing. And we, we prayed for what? What exactly were we praying for? Healing. And God had healed her. She was healed internally. So the second thing, she says, what do you need prayer for? And I said, you know what I need prayer for? I need peace. And I need that peace to stay. I need that devil out of my mind. I need those angels to waft those, that darkness away. I need peace from here on out because no matter what happens, I want to have joy in this pregnancy. And so they prayed for peace. You know, I left there with such peace. I left there with such knowing that God was going to be with us. And I said, you know, God, 
I'm going to earnestly look for you and pray for, pray to you. And I know that if I do, no matter what, you're going to be with us. I know that. And so came home, picked up the book, daring to ask for more. And I read that religiously. I mean, I just, I just tore that book up in a sense. I just read everything about it. And something that stood out to me in that book was um, she talked about in 1 John 5, 14, where it says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him, right? It says this is the confidence, and the com- that means this is the boldness. This is the assurance that you have, that if you're praying for anything right now in your life, and it is according to God's will, what? We have that petition, And so I remember reading in the book, and the book said that this was the answer. This was the key to answered prayer. Ellen White, when she spoke of this very same verse, she said, we must ask for the things that he has promised. And whatever we receive, we must use it to do his will. And so I remember thinking, okay, God, then what you're telling me is that if we're praying according to your will and for your glory, and that the work can go forward, and that more souls can be added, then we can prayly, boldly pray with confidence, knowing you'll, you'll answer. And so I said that. If Gracie's healing is for your honor and glory, if Gracie's healing is that souls will be added to the kingdom, and the work will go forward, then this is your will. But if Gracie's Down syndrome is not removed, it is because it is going to be for your honor and glory. It is going to be so that the work can go forward. It will be because um, souls will be added, and that will be your will. And I will accept that. And so I began praying that. Everyone around me, I said, no longer pray for healing. I want you to pray God's will. Pray God's will in this situation. And so as I continued reading the book, I, I, I was listening to things that she said. And one of the things I remember is when Hezekiah prayed to be healed, remember he was going to die? The prophet came and told him, you're going to die, put your house in order. And Hezekiah, what did he do? He put sackcloth on, he, he confessed and just humbled himself before God. And what happened? God gave him 15 more years, right? Ellen White says that it would have been better for him to have died. His, his, his um, record would have been clear had he died. But we know the rest of the story, right? The Babylonians, the, the, the kings came later and saw everything and then everything that happened. And so I said, God, I don't want you to answer my prayer. If this is not your will, I want your will. I know you enough to know you've never hurt me in the past. I know you enough to know that everything you have for me is good. I know that. I may be hurt. I may be discouraged. I may be whatever, but I know you. I know you. And so I trust you. And so I resign my will to your will. Whatever you say, let it be done. And so as I prayed that in this book, as I learned, you know, I need to change my prayer life. Because the more that I, that I, that I, that I, I was praying and the more I was reading, I realized I need to guard my sacred time with God. And so my husband and I began to wake up crazy hours of the night. Sometimes we, would, we wouldn't sleep. He bought me this shawl from Jerusalem that they, the, they pray. He ordered it for me, and it was pink. And I would take that shawl, and I would put it over my head, and I would just pray and pray. And I began to pray not for healing. I would say, God, show me the true condition of my heart. 
God, I'm praying for humility. I'm praying for wisdom and courage. Increase my faith, God. Lord, as I read in the book, it talked about walls. And I said, Lord, I, I need you to break those walls that are not good and build up the walls that are, that are. Don't let the enemy breach my walls. Lord, I want to become a woman of faith who prays with boldness and confidence and truly prays your will. Lord, I want the kingdom to be shaken for your glory. I want the Holy Spirit to touch my heart, soften it, and subdue it. I want the fruits of the Spirit. That's the language of heaven. Lord, I want that in my life. I prayed to be like Jesus. I prayed to fall on the rock. I prayed for self to die. I prayed for the robe of righteousness to purify my heart and my soul. I prayed to live and serve God in the atmosphere of prayer. I learned that my greatest need was to be humble and still. I prayed like I never have prayed before. You know, there's a picture, I should have brought it, but it talks about when David says, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. And I remember studying, and it says that in that canyon, in that valley, that's where the shepherd had to take down, take the sheep. And the reason why is because that's where the, the water is. That's where the green grass is growing. The water comes down. It's actually a good place to be in that wilderness. You get so close to God. I got so close to God in my prayer time that it was just such a beautiful time. Just I felt him and I. And so I prayed. I prayed. And I began to claim promises. I got a little promise book, and I would pray. I would go to scans, and they would tell me, well, you know, look at her eyes. They're too close together. Look at her nose. It's small. And so I'd say, okay, okay, find a verse in the Bible. God, you've made the seen eye. And I would text everyone, pray for her eyes, pray for her nose. I remember they would say, well, you know, their arms are really weak and, and, and their bones, they, you know, she, she might have these flaccid arms and legs. Okay, and I remember in the story in the Bible that talked about when they said um, these bones, prophesy to these bones that they will live. And I would say, God, prophesy to Gracie's bones. Let them live. Strengthen her arms. Everything they came at me to tell me, her heart. I said, God, you said that you can make a heart from, from stone to flesh. Remake her heart. Whatever it is they told me, I claimed a promise and I prayed for it. And so I can't forward this. You can forward it for me. Forward it again. As the will of man cooperates with the will of God, it becomes omnipotent. Whatever is to be done at his command may be accomplished in his strength and his power. All his biddings are his enablings. You know, it was the power of God that was helping me through this. The power of God. It was not in me. I was accepting something that was not, I did not want this. But I truly have learned the power of God and what it can do. I've learned it says there's no affliction so heavy, no temptation so strong that it cannot be overcome through Christ. That's what God was doing. And so as we continue um, praying. I remember Jose Rojas was coming, good friend of ours. He married us. And, and I remember saying, I need you to pray. Remember, I was telling, I was telling the grocery guy to pray. I, was telling, I would just tell people, do you believe in God? Yes, pray for me. Do you believe in God? Yes, pray. I told anybody that I knew to pray. And so he was coming to the convention center and um, I kind of told him what was going on. And he says, I want to anoint you. I said, okay. And I thought, what is he going to anoint me? Like, what, what anointing is he going to do? We've been anointed for healing. We've been anointed for peace. And before I could even speak, he tells me, Naomi, I strongly feel that God is telling me not so much to anoint you, 
but to anoint your baby. I strongly feel that God is telling me that this child has a purpose and God is going to use this child for his honor and glory. And she needs to be anointed now for that work. And I remember thinking, how can God use a child with Down syndrome? I mean, what they had told me is that they don't speak. I mean, she won't be able to memorize. I mean, that was the devil. I mean, all I kept thinking is there's, there's just no way you can use a child with Down syndrome. How can she be used for your honor and glory? But, but I, in my mind, I said, God, okay. I surrender that. Anoint this child. Yes. So he prayed for us. He tells me, God has a purpose for her, Naomi. And you just need to trust him. Don't worry anymore. Leave it in God's hands. I said, okay. So he prayed for us. And the next big event, I mean, we, we surrounded ourselves with prayer. I'm telling you, every event, everything that came in the mail, it said prayer, we were there. And so the last thing we were going to, Gracie was due December the 7th. And Pavel was going to Tanaya Lodge for the prayer conference. And I knew that I needed to go hear him. The whole weekend, it was so powerful. And Saturday night, he was going to go sign books. And I was sitting at the table and I was thinking, I want to talk to him. But I knew that I didn't want him to anoint me. I wanted to tell him to pray, but I just needed to talk to him. Because you see, his videos and everything he said had gotten us to the place where we were at. Total dependence on God. Everything we had heard. And so I remember I saw him, and he was in a hurry. And, and I kind of shared real quick our story. And I said, what do you think I'm lacking? He says, you're lacking surrender. He says, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray that God will give you surrender from here on out. Again, she was due in about a month. I said, okay. So he prayed for me. And he says, remember, God can heal her. I know God can heal her. He goes, but if he doesn't, God has something greater, greater that you can't even imagine planned. And so I remember thinking, okay, what is surrender? What does that look like? Because I'm a teacher, so I, I like to dig and find everything out. And so I, I, he gave a, a sermon that, that um, morning on surrender, but it didn't quite stick. I said, I need something clear. What does surrender look like? And so I went to my Bible, and I started looking for what surrender was that week. And this is what I came across. Surrender. It says, to rejoice over that which one hates and desires to be rid of is the ultimate of surrender. What I learned is, you want to know what surrender is? Rejoice in what you're going through. Praise God for what you're going through. And I said, God, I don't know how to praise you for that, but I will continue doing it over and over until it becomes what my heart's desire is, is to rejoice. And so every day I was said, I will rejoice. I took out my songbook. Thank you, Jesus, that we get to go through this. Thank you, Jesus, that my child may have Down syndrome. I praise you for that. And I would tell people, text them, pray and rejoice that help me to rejoice i continued reading um, on surrender it says such resignation to the will of god means complete renunciation of self and i would say god i want to, i want self to be thrown to the ground i don't want it to be about me i want it to be about you help me surrender self and the last thing i read this was all from the sda commentary as i was reading it is the mark of triumph to accept one's limitations without resentment. And I said, oh God, I, I didn't start off with the mark of triumph. I was angry. I was mad. I wanted things my way, but I want to end it well. Help me. I thought of mark of triumph like, you know, those Greek, um, the, the, when they'd run the mile, you know, or marathon, sorry. 
and they'd have the um, wreath around their head. I thought, that's what I want. I want your crown of glory around my head because I want to accept it and I don't want to resent you through this. Help me not resent you. You know, I've learned in this whole entire trial that it's okay to wrestle with God. You know, prior to that, I would just say, thank you, Jesus, life is good. Thank you, Jesus, life is good. But I wrestled with God through this this whole year. I questioned, I doubted, I was in darkness, I was mad, I was angry. But each time I would pick, I would allow him through prayer to pick me up. And so I said, God, I don't want to resent you. Help me not resent you. That was about Wednesday. Friday morning, I was not feeling good. And so I went to my doctor. It was my last checkup, or one of my last checkups before Thanksgiving break. And um, she checked me and she says, nope, you haven't dilated. Nope, you're, you haven't dropped. I said, okay. They took a test of the heartbeat just to make sure everything was okay. No stress. Everything was perfect. I came home that night and I was feeling just something was going on. And I thought, well, this is just Braxton Hicks that are, that's happening. That Sabbath, I woke up still not feeling too good. My son had a program for a Thanksgiving Joy Kids at our church. Now, they usually do this at Christmas, but this year, the teacher decided to do it Thanksgiving, which was never done before in the history of our church. And so my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my husband, everyone comes down. Um, now, my mother-in-law, she's in the Philippines, both father-in-law, they're OBGYNs. Um, my Brother-in-law is an ER doctor in Loma Linda. So it's like the whole team was there for me. My husband's a nurse. And so anyways, I'm, I'm laying in bed and I'm not feeling too good. My brother-in-law, everyone kind of checks to see how I am. And they say, well, I think we think you're okay. And so they all decide to go to church. So I'm at home um, about 10 o'clock. Again, I'm just feeling just, oh, these Braxton Hicks, they are strong. And so 11 o'clock and they're strong. And my husband even... FaceTime me because they're giving me some kind of recognition and you know I'm on the bed and I'm just like oh yeah just just in pain so around 12 o'clock I call my husband I said you know we should go to the hospital because I need some Tylenol something stronger than Tylenol sorry because there's no way I can deal with Braxton Hicks um, for the next three weeks he says okay well he spent another half an hour at the church because he had lost something so he comes in about 12 30 at 12 30 I literally am just on the bed and I just told him I need to go to the doctor. I need to go now. And so he says, okay. So long story without all the details, um, he's, he's going to put me in the car. And I said, wait a second. Um, just wait a second. I'm going to get something really quick. And the 1240 now, and the doorbell rings. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law decide they're going to come in to see how I'm doing. Now, I had told my husband on, the way, on his way home, call my mother-in-law, call my father-in-law, tell him, not to come, just we'll meet them in Fresno, tell Miljoy Brian not to come, we'll meet them in Fresno. So he calls them up and says, you know what, we're going to the, to the hospital um, just to get some medication. Um, we'll be back and then we'll go eat with you guys later. But my brother-in-law just has this feeling I should just go check on her. And so he um, rings the doorbell at 1240. At 1245, I delivered my baby at my house. Actually, my brother-in-law delivered my baby at the house. That was God. But when she came out, she had the umbilical cord around her neck. She was already turning bluish. And my brother-in-law just sprung into action, knew what to do, took out suction, patted her, a little breathed in her nostrils, and quickly she revived and came back to life. 
I remember at that moment, I thought, he tried to take my child over and over and over with just genetic counsel trying to convince me to have an abortion. I mean, they convinced me. They tried to convince me. He tried to take my child at her birth. God, you have a plan. I know. He wouldn't be working this hard to take her life if this child didn't have a plan. And so I just said at that moment, Lord, we looked at her and we could tell that she, her, her features, her eyes, she was smaller. I could tell she had Down syndrome. And I said, God, we accept this as your will. And I prayed, help us to move forward in your will. Help us to carry out your divine purpose for her life. We'll accept it. So I remember in December, at one point I was carrying her. And again, those feelings come back, you know, like, oh, I wish and I wish. And so I started crying as I'm rocking her. I remember all of a sudden this feeling came. I'm not there anymore. I'm not sad anymore. I just stopped in mid-crying and I said, I'm not there. God has taken that away. He has given me his power to accept his will. God has a plan for my daughter. I don't know what that is, but he has a plan. And so I will praise him. And so I start, took out my songbook and I would just started singing to her. I remember reading, picking up the book, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. It's one of my favorite verses. And I remember studying the life of Paul. And three times Paul asked, take this away. And God said, no. I thought about our anointing prayer. Three times we had gone for anointing prayer. And God had said no. And so I said, God, you asked three times. And God said no. But each time in I study in the Bible, I can see why you said no to Paul and at the cross. I'm going to trust you. And so all I could say over and over, his grace is sufficient. His grace is going to get us through. When we're struggling, his grace is going to get us through. When she struggles, his grace will get us through. Whatever may come, your grace is going to get us through. And the reason I named Grace is because of that very verse. His grace would get us through. I named her Hope because I truly believe in the hope of glory. And I believe that when we go to heaven, our child will be perfectly long and strong and everything else because she's already healthy inside. And so this is a picture of Gracie uh, when she was born, November 18th at 1245 p.m. She was 6 pounds, 12 ounces, 18 inches long couple more pictures of her right there. Just a beautiful girl. And so I knew that God was going to be with us. And I remember thinking when I read this, it says God sees all. He knows all and takes everything into consideration. He weighs carefully every factor, the past as well as the present, the future as well as the past. There's nothing that he fails to consider. No detail escapes his notice. Whatever he does is right, just, and good. I thought, it wasn't by chance that you allowed us to go through this. You didn't do this, but you allowed it. And I know that you, didn't, you took time to think about it. So I just said, I trust you. I trust you, God. And I will continue praising you. In January, Gracie was about a month and a half old at that point, I received a call from a friend, and she says, Naomi, I need a favor from you. She says, I know that you're a chaplain, and, and you speak to parents who have lost babies. She says, I have a co-worker's daughter who, who lost a child, and I told them a little bit about you, and they want you to come to her, their house. 
And I remember thinking, wait a second, I'm on maternity leave. I don't want to go to nobody's house. I'm, my baby's at home. No, 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 no. I said, you know, let me give you a number to another chaplain. And she, she said, no, she specifically wants you. And I thought, okay. And so I was nervous. I thought, well, I usually speak at the hospital to, to moms and dads in rooms, but I'm going to go to a house. How long am I going to be there? What if I don't have the right words? Just this nervousness. So I asked my pastor. I was asking everybody, would you please go? Would you please go? They said, um, Naomi, I think this is for you. So I remember going to this house, sitting there and seeing this couple, and they begin to tell me their story. Their child had um, passed away. I think the baby was about seven, seven months, and um, they went to the hospital, and they found out the umbilical cord was wrapped around the abdomen, and so um, the baby had passed away. And they were angry and mad. And they said, how could God do this? We prayed, how could God do this? And the little they knew about God, his father was a pastor, but they knew very little about him. But the very little they knew, he was fully to blame for this. And so I begin to share a little bit of my testimony because, you know, sometimes we just start speaking, you know. And I said, you know, and I prayed and I asked people to pray. And I remember the husband saying, well, that's not us. We're not going to pray. We're not going to ask people to pray for us. Why would we do that? God took our child. We are mad at him. And we're thinking, oh God, give me the words. What do I say? What do I say? And just sitting there and just, God, you have to speak. And I remember just hearing them talking, 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 how mad and mad and mad they were. And I said, um, I was just silent. And they said, do you know why we asked you to come? And I said, because I'm a chaplain? No, not just that. We were told that you had a miscarriage not too long ago. And I said, yes, 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 I did, I did. And so I'm starting to talk about my, my miscarriage. I'm thinking, that's it, that's why I'm here. And they said, no, 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 hold on. We heard that you recently had a child and that your child was born with Down syndrome. Is that true? And I said, yes, yes, that is true. And they said, and the umbilical cord was around her neck. And yes, yes, that's true. They said, when we took our, when we were at the hospital, they did an autopsy of our son. And they found out that our son had Down syndrome as well. And we felt like if anybody could help us, if there was anybody who could get us out of this place that we're at, because we're angry, it would be you. And I sat there. And it's like the words just escaped me because all I wanted to do was cry. And I remember telling them, you know what? This is what I can share with you. I had a miscarriage, and somebody shared with me this picture. It's a picture that's at the GC. I don't know who painted it, but in that picture, there's a picture of an angel carrying a baby to a mother's arms. Well, I had blown that picture up for her, and I said, I remember when I went through my miscarriage, I was really upset also with God. But I remember thinking, if I remain upset and go into this dark, 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 dark place, I will never be able to carry that baby in my arms. And I don't want that baby placed in any other arms except mine. And so whatever it takes for me to come out of this, God, I'm praying to surrender you to help me. I told them, that's what caused me not to sink so far in despair and let go of God. The husband tells me, and that's where we're at. We're mad at him. We're mad at him. And you know what? I don't even think we know him because the little that we know of him, we're just mad but somehow we feel like you can help us. The wife tells me, I don't know if you mind, but would you bring your daughter to us? She says, 
I don't want to see a pregnant woman. I don't want to see another baby. I don't, I don't want to be around that. She says, it hurts me. But somehow I feel like if I hold your baby, it will be as if I'm holding my son. And I know that if I hold your baby, I'm going to find healing that I need. And the husband said, yes, me too. Would you bring your baby? Is that too much to ask? Would you do that? And I said, yes, yes, I will bring my daughter. I'll bring her. And so I have a couple of, next one, and then you're going to come back. And so here's a picture of the couple as they've, they've held Gracie. I've continued to go visit them. I remember leaving that house, and I got into my car, and I just cried. I just cried, and I said, God, I begged you to take this away. I pleaded with you to take this away. But I remembered, if it is for your honor and your glory, that souls will be added to your kingdom, and that the work would go forward, I surrendered my will to you. I left that house completely. You know, I remember hearing the wife say, I'm not sure, her job, she's actually a teacher for special needs kids, mainly for kids with Down syndrome. She has connected me to every single resource I have needed from the three months Gracie was born. Gracie is getting the best care because of my connection with this lady. I saw in their eyes such a sadness that they wished that their child was there. Even though that baby had Down syndrome, they wished for that child to be there. And I thought, how can, how can I ever be sad? I have my child. I'm blessed. I will remember this woman the rest of my life. If I so ever try to go back to that place, I will remember this woman's face and this husband's face, and I will rejoice that I have my child. And so I just, I said, praise God. I will praise you through this. And I said to God, if it's just for this couple to know Jesus, if it's just for this couple to be in heaven that you allowed this, it will have been worth it. And I will praise you her whole life for this. And so our relationship with this family has just, it's just grown. Tomorrow we're meeting with them, with her whole family. They're actually walking in um, Hearst Castle. There's a whole walk this weekend for kids with disabilities. And so we're meeting their whole family there. Their marriage during this time was completely ripped apart. You know, 90, 86% of couples who have a child either with a disability or whose child dies at birth or in utero, 86% of couples go through a divorce. That is staggering. That is high. And so this couple recently just started having so many problems to the point where he told her, I want a divorce. This weekend, he should have been in Utah getting a new job because he told her, I, I, don't, want, I don't want anything. I, I just want a divorce. We have been praying and praying and praying. And I received a text this week and she said, pray, Naomi, keep praying. I, she came to my house and she says, you know, Naomi, I, I'm lear- I have learned to rejoice in God. I have learned to praise God. And even though this is happening in my marriage, I find so much joy in God. She lets me tell her about Jesus. I share sermons with her. This, this situation is open to this woman who, at first, remember when I got there, I don't want to hear anything about God. They are so open to God now. She texts me. She goes, I know you're preaching tomorrow. I wish I could be there. She says, but I'm praying for you. We have become so close in these last three months. This week I get a text from her and she says, Naomi, your guys' prayers are answered. She says there's reconciliation back into my marriage. Praise God for that, right? Today, Gracie is healthy. 
healthy. I mean, her arms are so strong and her legs are so strong. You know, we were claiming that promise, um, breathe on these bones that they will live. Her, her bones are living. She is strong. We have her in physical therapy and the therapist tells us, Naomi, all I can tell you is you're blessed. She goes, I work with kids with Down syndrome. She goes, your daughter is strong. She's sitting up when she's not supposed to be sitting up now. She's starting to pick up herself to crawl. We took her to a feeding specialist just the other day. And again, because her thyroids and everything could have been wrong, nothing wrong with her. We took her to an eye doctor because they told us she could possibly have issues with her eyes and need glasses. There's nothing wrong. They told us, yeah, perfect, perfect eyes. Um, everywhere we go, they assure us she's 100%. She's just fine. We do have issues, you know, like... I, outward, you know, she has smaller arms and smaller legs, and um, she does have features. But I will praise God over and over and over again because my daughter's healthy. I will praise God over and over because He is using her for His honor and glory. You know, before I went through this trial in March, I was given a Bible study over the book of John, and I read the whole book and I thought it was such a good book, so I started sharing it with, with a friend of mine. And I remember coming to the place in John 17, 4 to 5, that says, um, Father, glorify me. And I remember saying, what does that mean, glorify? What, do you, what, is that, what is that talking about? And as I studied it out, he was saying, Father, glorify me. He says, I have glorified you, and I will glorify you. Because from Bethlehem to the cross, Jesus had glorified his Father. He has had obediently accepted every will of God. And he says, you have glorified. Jesus was obedient. Jesus didn't complain. He shined his father out in every aspect of his ministry. He says, and you will glorify me because on the cross, Jesus glorified his father the greatest way possible, right? And I remember saying, that's how you glorify God. I've always wanted to glorify God. And I was telling my friend, I want to glorify God in my trials. I want to shine for him. I want to be illuminated. I want God to be glorified in my trial. Let's pray. Let's pray that in our trials, whatever is to come, God would be glorified. And then I get a call a month later, and this is what we go through. And I thought, you know, Lord, I didn't start off well. I didn't glorify you at the beginning, but I want to end well. And I want to glorify you in my trial. I want to shine you out. I want people to know that you are good, even in the trial. You know, I've learned, go back one slide, I, uh, or maybe two more slides. Afflictions are good for us. Afflictions purify and refine and elevate our character. It cultivates trust and dependence on God. It prostrates, prostrates pride. It subdues self. It brings our will in harmony with the will of God. It tests our faith and the genuineness of our profession as Christians. Our faith is strengthened in affliction. Afflictions create in us a suitableness for glory and prepares us for God's glory. Nothing contributes more to understanding our fellow men and having a feeling of kindness toward them than do sorrow, trial, and suffering. You know, that's why the Bible says, praise God in trials. Praise him in trials. And I'm here to tell you that if you are going through any kind of trial right now, and perhaps you're like I was last June, angry, upset. Why, God? Why? I don't understand. Don't let the devil beat you down that that's a bad place to be. 
because I have felt like the closest place I was was in that place when I questioned and when I hung on to God through those hours of praying. If there's anybody here who is going through a trial and can't see past the trial, I'm here to assure you that God is able. God is powerful. And God will use your testimony. People will be saved because of your testimony. Heaven will be bursting with people because of your testimony. And God will be glorified in your testimony. If there's anybody here right now who's going through a trial and wants to come up to the front and say, God, I may have been like Noemi and I haven't started my trial glorifying you, but I want to end it well. I want you to come up here. If there's anybody here going through a trial right now and is struggling with saying, God, your will, not mine, I want you to come up because I'm going to have Zach pray for you. And I want that, that no matter what this trial may be, that at the end of it, you can rejoice. I look at my daughter now and I say, I love her. She's the greatest joy in, next to our son in our home. We are so happy. I, look, I can cry because I look back to where I was and I say, how could I have doubted? How could I have been so fearful? And so if there's anybody here right now that wants to come up and just surrender that trial to God and say, God, do in me all these things that you want to do. I want you to come up. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you will shine God in your trial. I want to pray that you will have a testimony to share, just like God has placed a testimony in our life. God, thank you for this incredible reminder of how faithful and how good you are. And God, we bring to you what we're going through right now. Father, um, you see each person here right now, and you know that they're in the midst of the trial. They're in the midst of not knowing the way forward. They're in the midst of facing things that they don't know how to handle. So God, um, we commit these things to you, trusting that your grace really is sufficient for mm-hmm. us, that your strength really is made perfect in weakness, that we really can boast in our infirmities so that the power of Christ can rest upon us. Oh God, we choose to praise you and to thank you and to trust you. And Lord, we pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can finish this race, that we can bring glory to you in the midst of the trial. And we've seen through this story, through what David shared, that really the greatest glory sometimes to your name comes in the midst of trial. So Father, for each trial that's represented here, and for those who didn't feel like coming forward, who are going through something, Father, turn these trials into the greatest glory for your name possible, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.